Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for joining me today. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I love introducing you to people who are committed to working on their own development and to helping others become the best versions of themselves. That's also a key focus of my company, Grow Strong Leaders. We publish software tools and books for improving the way people connect with each other at work. And you can learn more at growstrongleaders.com. I am delighted today to have as my guest, Simon Haig. Simon, welcome to my show. Meredith, it's a real pleasure to be here. Uh, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm honored and privileged. It's great to be here. Well, thank you. And I want to also give a shout out to our colleague and friend, Terry Nichols, who is the one who introduced us and the reason we've become colleagues and friends ourselves. So absolutely, thank you, Terry, for being such a great <laughs> connector. Uh, before we get started, let me introduce you to my audience because you have such a varied background. They'll appreciate more who you are by hearing about all the different paths you've taken in your journey. Simon is founder and CEO of GCM Consulting and SimonHaig.com. He's known as the growth strategist because he helps organizations and leaders grow in four areas, business, leadership, brand, and mindset. Simon started out as a tri-qualified commercial lawyer in England and Wales, Australia, and Ireland. He's been an entrepreneur building and selling out of companies in three industries, technology, luxury items, and travel. Simon has also been a C-suite executive, and he has sat on five boards across different industries in different continents. He's currently an associate member of the Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder-Centered Coaching Organization. So, Simon, that's quite a lot. What I would love for you to start with is to talk about your journey from attorney to the work you do today. Well, you're right. It is a lot. And it's been a journey, Meredith. Most of it has been intentional, and the latter part has been unintentional. And so, as you said, I started off as an attorney over in the UK, uh, and I traveled to Australia and here in Ireland. And I guess at a very early stage, I always felt that that my, my capabilities were around helping people connect and bring the best out of people, you know? And um, that was kind of shaped by some of the experiences that I had in childhood. I, I think I developed a, an acute sense of awareness of reading the room of how people feel. Uh, I could read the room. I could read people's feelings at an early age. Um, and so, so I was in the legal profession for about 13 years, and then I requalified it in an MBA. I ended up becoming CEO of an American company, actually an indigenous-owned company from Alaska, that was operating in Australia. I was their first CEO. And I guess that period of time in my life um, really opened my, my, my eyes to more of a spiritual way, treating people in a much more spiritual, enduring way. Mm. And then the last eight years, I've run my own business, as you've said. And really, my business today is a culmination of the experiences that I've had and the observations. And really, it's, it's, it's based around four aspects of growth. So I help leaders 
entrepreneurs, anybody who really wants to look at their mindset growth. So what is it within you that makes you? So your awareness, your resilience, your motivation, your grit, all of those kind of things. And then we move from, from there. The next stepping stone then is, what is it about you that enables you to be the best form of leader? So your leadership growth capabilities. So how assertive are you? How, how do you influence people? Um, how can you influence from a calm, compassionate, courageous perspective? And then we move, once we've looked at mindset and leadership, business growth. So how do you navigate what you've learned about yourself, your drive, and attach that to the right strategies and the right opportunities? And then finally, brand growth. How do you build and sustain your organization's brand, but also equally your own brand? Mm. Uh, and I guess, finally, to overlay all of this, if you can think about a triangle with three R's, revenue at the top, risk on the left, and reputation on the right, that's what drives business. And I think that's what drives all of us as well. So. Um, I've just come to this place in my life, my life, Meredith, where I love helping individuals achieve their authentic potential on the one hand, and at the same time, helping the organizations they work in um, achieve its intended purpose. And it's, it's a passion. I, I, it's not even work anymore. <laughs> well, I've sensed that when we've talked, I can just see and hear, you know, your enthusiasm about this. And I know from having talked to you that mindset of those four mindset, as you mentioned, is the first thing it's so critical. And so what have you found are aspects of mindset that people struggle with? You know, what is it they have trouble uh, addressing or dealing with within themselves that holds them back? You know, that's a huge question and it depends on the client and everybody has different things. But I guess some common themes would be confidence. Um, uh, a lot of people have what would be called as imposter syndrome, you know, and mm -hmm. this reminds me of a conversation I had with Marshall Goldsmith, who I'm blessed to have as a mentor. And he's written before a couple of my books. And I, I went through this myself, Meredith. I mean, some people would think that's crazy when they see my LinkedIn profile and they see exams and qualifications. But because of my upbringing, you know, I went through life being underconfident. And, and Marshall said to me nearly two years, in fact, exactly two years ago this month, he said, Simon, you need to match your confidence with your capability. And that sentence has never left me. So that drives the work that I do. So helping people tap into what is their potential, what's within them, what's that, that, that creates their potential. And at the same time, what are the opportunities they can realistically reach for? So confidence is one thing. I guess another thing then is how I think people are always looking to how do I connect? How do I communicate more effectively? So, so I help a lot of people with how do you can, how can you move from passive or aggressive communication to more assertive communication? to influence. And assertive communication is not easy. We have to work at this. But basically, it's getting across what, what you want, desire, believe, or think in a way that's respectful of others without getting angry and at the same time without letting yourself down. So I think communication, I think confidence, I think um, awareness is another thing, reading the room, understanding what's going on around you, critical, critical skill sets for leaders and in life generally. So they will be three of the core ones. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about your relationship with Marshall and that aspect you learned from him 
because it changed how you presented yourself. And I think this that you're describing how you changed your approach, changed things you did. I think that would be very valuable for my listeners to learn about this whole idea of confidence and capabilities. You know, I'm I'm glad you've asked because this has been the the fuel that's driven my journey the last two years. That has allowed me to do the work that I love, and 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 I'm spreading the work, the the, the work, and spreading Marshall's work. And really, it's about alignment. And and there's a there's a fantastic book called Aligned by an amazing an American French American management guru called Hortense Le Gentil. She's one of Marshall's fifty thinkers. Hortense Le Gentil, H-O-R-T-E-N-S-E, Le Gentil, G-E-N-T-I-L. And the book is called Aligned. Um, And what she says, and I have my own version, is when you're aligned, you instinctively know what to do and you know deep down that you're on the right path and anything or everything is possible. And for me, I say to truly excel personally and professionally, you need to align with the true version of you to match your confidence with your capability. And and it's important for me to shout this out because for years, I'm 55 now, but until about the age of 53, I used to do the opposite. I used to put on this corporate persona that I that I thought the world wanted to see, right? Uh, but that actually blocked the real Simon from coming out, you know, uh, the, 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 the honest, the, 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 the sometimes vulnerable, the um, sometimes fragile, the sensitive, in other words, the human Simon, we're all of those things, right? And so, uh, and now we hear people talk about authentic leadership and, and that's what it's really about. And, and I guess the work that I do is help. So I've taken from Marshall and I've distilled that. And what I do is I help people I work with get a better sense of their own frequency. So what is it that makes up their mindset, that drives them, what is it that makes up their leadership capabilities and then align that with the direction they want to take? So it was, it was an epiphany for me when Marshall said that to me. And, and this is my life's work. It's, it's helping people understand their frequency and how they can use that to roadmap between their potential and the opportunities. Talk more about what you mean by frequency. Well, we all have we all have an essence, right? We all have a skill set. We all have skill sets. We all have levels of awareness. We all have desires and triggers and passions and emotions. But I think a lot of us, and I was one of these people who we don't allow ourselves to feel these things, to experience them, to, to sense the true essence of our capability. And in other words, our potential. I keep coming back to that word potential. Nobody ever told me, and I can see you're nodding as well, Meredith. We, we come from a similar education background originally. Nobody ever told me, Simon, this is your potential. Nobody right. ever said that. And mm-hmm. still today, nobody's told me that. And, and, and so what I try to do is to, is to I, I break this down into, into, into three components. So I start with, I, I ask clients, what is their why? You know, what, what, who, are, who do they want to be? What, why, why do they exist? Then we start looking at things like their mindset how inclusive are they in their thinking in terms of the world and in terms of including themselves in what they want to be doing? Then we look at leadership. How focused are they on what they want to be and where do they want to go? How, how are they effect, effectively communicating to others and also communicating to themselves, being honest with themselves? How flexible are they along this journey? 
But how 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 much are they prepared to be truly honest with the essence of who they are once they get the better understanding of who they are? Then we move into things like intuition and resilience and and all of that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of work involved, but it's basically boiling frequency is what is your potential and how do you get a sense of it? And I guess what I'm really interested in is that there are tangible things, Meredith, like awareness and assertiveness and influencing skill and resilience and grit and motivation. What I'm really, really interested in is the completely intangible, intangible thing. So the things like luck, being in the right place at the right time, um, um, serendipity, all of these things. And is there a way for people to shine a light on those things, to grab them, to actually move up that potential ladder? That's mm-hmm. the stuff that I'm talking about. It's also interrelated, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, because you have to raise your self-awareness and your awareness to yeah. take advantage of or be lucky, I guess, to see these opportunities that present themselves. I want to circle back to this idea of helping people find their purpose, because yeah. I think so often that's tied in with being our true selves and feeling free to express ourselves. You know, we can use that overused word authentic, but the idea of being you, me being me, um, and it, it, I think when we have that clarity of purpose, it just frees us up in so many ways because we understand why we're doing what we're doing. What are yeah. some ways that you help clients? I may have some listeners who aren't clear about their own purpose. What are some questions you ask or ways that you interact with clients to help them uncover that purpose? Okay, so I'll start with the area around awareness. I mean, so one of the first things I do when I coach is I I ask my clients to ask themselves three questions every morning for six weeks, regardless of the fact that you might think they're trivial or they might make you cringe, right? And those three questions are really simple. They are, do I like myself? Do I trust myself? And do I respect myself? Just ask yourself that every morning for six weeks and you might not do those things, those three things by the end of the six weeks, but every single client that I've had have come away at the end of the sessions and said, I feel a little bit more aware of myself, right? Having asked myself those simple questions. And, and so I think it starts with awareness. Um, I guess, I guess, I guess what I then jump to is strengths. So, you know, we were talking about education before. I come from an Anglo-Saxon background and a Catholic background where strengths were not talked about. We were talked, we were told not to do this, not to do that. And and the so the focus was on sins and how sin. we felt <laughs> Absolutely. No, did no, did anybody mention strengths at your school? It was no. sin at my school. And so I'm passionate about pointing people in the direction of their strengths. And I've done some work with Yale University around around this, and there's a there's a there's a there's a classification tool that I use that helps people identify their strengths into a number of families: wisdom, courage, humanity, justice, temperance, and transcendence, which is a form of spiritual strength. And there are there are a couple of dozen smaller categories within those, and there and it's, there's some great questionnaires that I use that help point people in the direction of their strengths. And a number of my clients have said, I didn't realize I had this strength, you know. And so I think you have to start by looking at your strengths. I guess another thing to do is to 
level the playing field. So I do the opposite, is to demystify the fact that you are one of 8 billion people, that, that yes, you have special attributes, you have attributes, but, but don't get carried away with ego. So I, 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 op- the, I do the opposite of that. And I say, why do people give up? You know, people give up for all sorts of reasons. They expect fast results or they dwell on mistakes or they resist change. They fear the future. Um, And then I ask, why do you think humans are so interested in why others give up? Uh, And everybody says, because we all know, we we see it in ourselves, you know. So so not only do I get people to look at their strengths and their awareness, but I get them to realize that that we're all we're all unique. Right. We're all we all have attributes. But it's very, very important to, to differentiate our attributes from who we are. There's no better Meredith Bell on planet Earth than you, right? There's no better Simon Haig than me. There might be people who are faster or, or better looking or more intelligent, but there's never going to be a better version of them than us. So looking at strengths, looking at awareness and, and boiling it down to the fact that you're unique and the attributes are separate to you, but you can work on those. And that's the, that's the frequency and the brand work that I do. Mm-hmm. That's also excellent. I, I love all the aspects you bring out to help them discover their purpose without directly saying, let's identify your purpose, you know, because that's Absolutely. hard to do. You know, it's hard to have that kind of a direct question. But the approach you take in helping them get that better understanding and appreciation for yeah. who they are, I would think makes a huge difference. Yeah, and I, what I try and demonstrate is that, yes, you are unique, but we're all very similar, right? And, and I talk about the growth zone. And all hu- humans, we tend to do things when the pain of not doing it exceeds the pain of doing it. Humans are one of the few animals that are inherently lazy, okay? So don't beat yourself up when you're not in balance. You know, there's, there's this whole movement about you have to be balanced. And I, and I say, well, sometimes not being balanced is balance, you know, so, so, and so I talk about there's four levels of, there's four aspects of a growth zone in your journey. There's your comfort zone, and you're entitled to go back into your comfort zone when life is difficult and when you just can't face the day. It's okay, right? Then there's the fear zone when you have to peek your nose out, and then it's okay to feel lack of self confidence. It's okay to sometimes find excuses. It's okay to be affected by other people's opinions, as long as you know there's the next zone, which is the learning zone. That's where you you have to push yourself and acquire new skills and deal with challenges. And then finally, you move into the growth zone where you can find your purpose. But again, I don't mention the word purpose until the end of the journey. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I think that makes sense because there's different things that have to be uncovered. Yeah. It seems like before that. One of the other things I wanted to be sure that we talk about today, because I think it's so important I struggle with this myself, is the idea of slowing down. Slowing down in order to achieve more. It seems paradoxical, and yet I know it's true. And you have helped clients recognize this and apply this. And so please talk to that. What do you mean by that? How do we slow down if we want to get a lot of things done? What does that look like? So I'll start with arguably one of my three favorite books of all time, a book called Into the Magic Shop by an American neurosurgeon called James Doty, D-O-T-Y. And it had a profound effect on me. I read this a couple of years ago, and 
he tells a story of, it's a true story and it's quite visceral. So on the one hand, he's doing brain surgery. Then he has flashbacks to childhood. And it's a true story of his childhood and, and his journey of, a, of awakening, um, of slowing down to notice more. And so he, he came from a broken family, alcoholic father, and his mother was, you know, was in, was, 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 was in a bad place. And he went to a magic shop in the Salinas Valley in California. And this little old lady in the shop saw something in him, saw pain, but also potential in him. And she said, if, I, if you come back every day for six weeks, I'll teach you magic. And he did. He was a bit skeptical, but he did. She didn't teach him magic, but what she taught him was the four key steps to slowing down, to noticing your life that actually accelerate the opportunities. And the four key steps, they don't sound like rocket science, but you have to do these. This, this, this is the issue. And you, you have to, there's one thing, understand learning and understanding, but you have to consistently do this. You need to find ways to consistently relax your body, whether it's meditation or exercise or getting out into nature. Uh, the second thing is you have to find ways to calm your mind, whether it's, again, meditation or swimming or being in nature. The third thing, I'll go to the fourth thing. The fourth thing he says is you need to set an intent and goals to live um, a, a purposeful life. But the thing that 95% of people miss out for whatever reason, maybe because of fear, is number three is you need to get honest with yourself. You need to say to my, you need to say to yourself, "Am I constantly in this in this low grade anxiety? Am I constantly on my mobile phone? Am I constantly switched on?" And flipping over to Eckhart Tolle, "The Power of Now," a fantastic book, and he talks about if you want to, if you want to, if you want to live in this moment of now, right, and and you want to slow down and be more effective. Think of your brain as like a power tool, a power drill. So if you want to drill a hole in the wall in your, in your house, you go to the shed, you get the drill, you drill the hole, you switch it off and you put it back in the shed. And this for me is the key, Meredith. So for the for leaders that I work with, I, I, I tell them this consistently. Think of your brain as a power tool. So when you need to focus, like you and I are focusing now, your brain is fully on and we're totally focused. But at the end of this conversation, it's really, really, really important from a neuroscience perspective to switch your brain off, to actually take, turn it off, have a cup of coffee, go for a walk, listen to music. Don't immediately go to your mobile phone or don't go to emails because you don't give yourself that space to focus. That space of focus is so important. The brain is an extremely powerful tool, but it does need to have times when it's down, when it because it enables it to heal and replenish. And so that's really important. So I just wanted to focus on that book, but that the whole idea of using your brain like a power tool and physically teaching yourself to turn it off. And you'll find out after a period of time that it actually feels much more effective when you use it. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, so great. I uh, took notes on that one and I'm going to be reading that book into the <laughs> magic shop. I remember you mentioning it before, and um, yeah. I, I will definitely make a point of getting that. Speaking of the brain and understanding the neuroscience behind it, you have just recently been accredited as a neuroscience professional with the British Psychological Society. And I would love for you to share what uh, impact is that going to have as far as how you work with your clients? 
well, thanks for mentioning it. And, and the, the reason I did it was that I mentioned the four areas of growth and I, I credited in each of those areas. You know, I'm a Marshall Goldsmith leadership coach. So that's in leadership. I have an MBA and I've worked in business. I've run businesses. I've been a CEO in the business space. Um, and in the brand space, I represent a brand, the world's biggest independent branding company. But I always felt, and maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, and I'm constantly searching for the truth, and I'm constantly searching for knowledge, that in the one area that probably I spend 90% of my time, mindset and awareness and resilience and grit and motivation, I didn't, I didn't have any academic qualifications. And I wanted to make sure that I knew what I was talking about. And so so I'm, I've, I've qualified now. And I guess really what it's going to do, Meredith, is it just underpins the work that I do. And it, it doesn't change the way I work with clients. I still work you know, through the prism of compassion and love and care and consideration. I still talk about the brand frequency, but it definitely helps me speak the right language, quantified language around how do individuals really tap into their authentic potential. This is really, really important. What do they look for internally? You know, what habits are they, are, they, are they operating through, right? And so, for example, if you're operating through negative habits, the only way you can – habits never disappear. They stay in the back of our brain forever. Good habits, and I'm talking about the not-so-good habits that, that pull us back from our full potential. So the only way you can ameliorate those is to replace them by – positive other habits so if you want to go if you want to go on a diet the most enduring you thing you can do is is to replace is, is to do exercises but exercise that you enjoy right is not to completely cut out food and starve yourself is to have a treat every so often using that as an example so um, i guess it just helps me bring in much more science-based analysis around how people can change their habits and their mindset and how they can become more resilient and how they can, um, how they can think in a, more, in a more meaningful way and how they can manage their awareness in a much more science-based way. At the same time, talking the language to business leaders around how they can optimize the intended purpose of the organization by making sure that leaders notice the quietest person in the room, by making sure that negative habits in organizations are identified and called out by making sure there's much more inclusivity, by making sure that biases that we all have don't become toxic and turn into discrimination. So these are the things that have come out of the program I've studied. And I just it just makes me even more enthusiastic about the work I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so cool. I would love for you to think of you know, a specific leader or two that you've, you've worked with in these areas and in particular for their own development. Because, you know, when we work on our own development, it naturally is going to have a ripple effect on those around us. And so talk a little bit about some of the ways you've helped clients become more aware so they adopt behaviors that are really valuable, helpful for them personally, but also for the people who are around them. Okay, so I won't mention names, but one of the clients that I work with was a, a youngish executive, a sales executive, and he was kind of cynical about working in the in the sales space, and uh, and he had this idea that he wanted to become a personal trainer, right? And he wanted to incorporate 
nutrition, exercise, and mindset. And so I worked with him over my usual coaching program, and I mentioned the frequency. So one thing I do all the time is through my awareness, I'm looking at the frequency of the individual. What is it about them that they, they, that when they finally manifest a brand, an on, a new entrepreneurial brand in the world, is the true essence of them that really reflects who they are? And so we went through a whole process, and this person has now launched a business. He's now called the Resilience Trainer. Right, that's the name of the business, and. That, that name actually came to me in the sixth session. And I said, you need to go onto a domain registry and you need to find it and get it. And it, it was there, right? So he's the resilience trainer.com, which is a fantastic name. I wish I'd taken it for myself, Meredith, but anyway. And for the process of getting from A to B during those coaching sessions, I'm constantly observing. I'm asking questions. There are questionnaires. I'm not judging, right? I'm not calibrating, but I'm trying to get a sense of who is this person and what where are they capable of going? He's launched the business. And when he posts now on LinkedIn, he's getting 300, 400 views. So the work we did really helped. And I guess to boil it down, I ask four questions, okay? And these questions underpin the six-week journey. The first question is, if you and I were having this conversation uh, three years from today, so in 2025, and you were looking back to this conversation, what has had to have happened in your life personally and professionally, for you to say, I feel happy with that progress. And I ask them to go away and really think about the, that, that person they are in three years and look backwards. Because no, most of us don't do this, right? Mm-hmm. The second thing is, what are the biggest dangers in you that you think you'll need to eliminate? For me, it's I need to stop saying yes all the time, right? The third thing is, what are the three biggest opportunities for you to focus on and capture? And the fourth is, what are the biggest strengths that you have to be reinforced and maximized. And, and I use those four questions to underpin the six-week journey. And, um, and it seems to work. It helps people really get to the center of who they are and feel more aligned. So he would be one client. Um, I guess another one would be an owner of a business who um, she's in the space of psychotherapy, and um, but was just kind of lacking, lacking, I guess, confidence to a large ex- extent or was being too kind of too judgmental around herself and um, and didn't realize that she was resilient. Okay. So I don't use, I didn't use the words resilience. I talked about grittiness. Okay. And so, and I use some of the work from Angela Duckworth, the author of the, the book grit. And mm-hmm. so the process I took her through was understanding that gritty people must have passion. So we, we, we uncovered that she definitely has a passion for what she wants Gritty people need to practice all the time. There's no substitute for hard work. And that was clear. The third thing was gritty people need to understand the, their purpose and why they do things. And we, we needed to do a little bit of work around why she was launching the particular business and what purpose she was manifesting to others. Because if you don't have a sense of your own purpose, you can't expect other people to have that sense. And the fourth thing is then probably the most important thing is a gritty person needs to have hope. If you don't have hope, which is a form of resilience, if you don't if you don't have the ability to pick yourself up when things will go wrong, and they will, then the chances are you might you might things might go wrong, you know. So 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 I use though that that whole area of grittiness to to uncover that potential journey for her. So I use different tools for different people, and up to now I haven't had any negative feedback around the tool that I've used because. 
before I engage with anybody, I send a questionnaire. I make it very clear that, you know, this person needs to be completely ready to work with me, that there's no judgment from my side, that I genuinely want to help see them grow. And it seems to work, you know. I, I think it's creating that safe space that I'm not judging anybody, that I've been through my own journey, that I'm extremely grateful for where I am, Meredith, that I don't have any access to grind. I don't need to judge. I'm comfortable personally, so I'm here to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking back, it would have been nice if I'd found somebody like me when I was younger. <laughs> I understand. And, you know, that word judgment, Simon, I think is so important. And I can, I can sense that that's one of the key things people don't feel from you is judgment. And for those of us that are high achievers and we have this high standard to reach, it's so easy to judge ourselves and see where we have fallen short and not measured up. So for you to create a safe space for people where they don't feel judged, I think is a very powerful lesson for leaders to think about in their own work with themselves. Because if they tend to judge themselves and are kind of harsh then they might bring that same attitude to the people who work with them. So the more they can learn to relax with themselves, their humanness, then the easier it is to relax with the people around them. Do you know, it's ironic you said that because I did a live stream with our mutual friend Terry and somebody else this morning at 7 a.m. my time, 2 a.m. his time, and we had our guest had exactly that we had that conversation, fantastic guest. And, and she said that um, to be a truly compassionate, courageous, calm leader, I use those three, those three C's because I, uh, I raised that. She said, you need, you need to have found a way to be compassionate to yourself. And, mm-hmm. and I hadn't truly thought of that, but, but it's true. I mean, how can you expect a leader to be compassionate, calm, and courageous and be compassionate in a way they're delivering courageous news, which sometimes is negative, right? Unless they've got a sense of compassion for themselves, you know? So it's, 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 it's obvious. And yet I did an MBA. Nobody taught me that in an MBA. (laughs) It's so good. Well, I think it ties in with this last question that I would like to just explore with you because you mentioned about having an understanding of the light side and the dark side of yourself. So what do you mean by that? And how is knowing about both of those useful for someone in their growth? Okay. So this came from experience and trauma in my life. And I had some difficult times 12, 15 years ago. And um, there is a light side and a dark side to all humans. I mean, we, we can see some pretty negative stuff now, very, very negative stuff happening in Europe right now. We know we know what humans are capable of. Humans are capable of some of the most awful atrocities on the planet. It's within all of us, right? We all have an ability to hate, to dislike, to damage, but we all have that beautiful light love, right? We all do. Even the people you don't like, you don't respect, you don't trust. Somewhere, it's somewhere in all of us, right? And so there is a light side and a dark side. And what I noticed, I, I went I went on an amazing, an amazing, the most amazing leadership course I've ever been on 21 years ago now when I was an executive at Dell and I was the most junior executive on this course run by the Irish Management Institute. And 
The premise of the course was based upon Shakespeare's Henry V. And I didn't know anything about Henry V, really. And it was run by Sir Lawrence Olivier's son, Richard Olivier, and a leading emotional intelligence expert over here. And it was a week's residential course. And it was based upon this play. And Henry V, for those who don't know, is about to go into battle, Battle of Agincourt against the French. And he's a young king. And on the one hand, he feels bravado and he anger and aggression he's going to slay the enemy the next day and on the other hat on the other side the light side he's full of fear he's terrified he's scared like a little boy and that was the premise of the week and what came out of the week was that you can only be a truly effective leader which means a leader to yourself as as, as well and you can only truly expect to have authentic sustainable followers if you're aware of both your light side and your dark side and that's never left me Meredith. I mean, you know, I'm aware that I can lose my temper. I'm aware of that I have had a, a tendency to self-destruct, that I have made mistakes, that I that I have done embarrassing things, but I'm also equally aware nowadays that I've inspired people, that that I have an ability to make feel people feel better, that I love myself now, you know. And and so unless you have that sense of emotional awareness and balance as a leader, how can you expect followers? to sense that and then be pulled along. That's what I talk about. Mm -hmm. That's great. Simon, this has been so wonderful. Time has flown by. I've loved our conversation. You've made so many important points. I know my listeners will be taking notes and I encourage them to re-listen because you shared so many important things about our own awareness and, and, and the questions you ask your clients are those that we can certainly apply to ourselves. I'd love for you to share with people, how can they connect with you and learn more about the services that you offer? The best way is on LinkedIn. I'm regularly, I post probably three times a day on LinkedIn. So Simon Haig, H-A-I-G-H at LinkedIn or through my website, simonhaig.com. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, but I think mainly LinkedIn and through my website. And my email is simon at simonhaig.com. Great. Thank you. And we'll be putting all that information on the show notes page too. Simon, I want to acknowledge you and just thank you so much for who you've become in your own path to your own growth and now the impact that you're able to have on not just your clients, but the word, the world, because of the positive postings you make on LinkedIn and all the different ways that you show up as your best self and you model that so beautifully for others. So thank you. Thank you, Meredith. And same applies to you as well. You, you bring a a calm energy and assurance to the world. So it's, it's a pleasure knowing you. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, connect with your team and peer coaching made simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique, peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.